You are listening to the Living Jewishly podcast, a show about community, a thriving, welcoming, validating, open to everyone Jewish community, one that celebrates our differences and honors our sameness. We're inviting you to explore your own sense of Jewish identity as we build our community. I'm drinking with all of... Uh, You're drinking with all of Klal Yisrael. All of Klal Yisrael. Baruch Amen. L'chaim. Well, it's a great way to celebrate... Good way to start. Yeah, it's a great way to celebrate being brand new, ordained as a rabbi. You know, I don't always get to speak to brand new rabbis because... You Freshly know, minted. Freshly minted is a great yeah. way. Uh, tinok shenolad, like a, a baby that was just born with all the attendant. But I, yeah, but I don't think in your case it's just uh, it's the newborn baby. You, you have a whole lifetime of preparation for this moment. So this is something. But just under a year ago, you were ordained by Rabbi Herzl Hefter, Rabbi Daniel Sperber at an Orthodox Beit Midrash in Israel. So what's the first thing you did after that momentous and groundbreaking ordination? After spending about five years with my head in the books in a beautiful basement room with no windows and just learning and learning and learning, I packed my bag and I went far away and decided it was time to go into the world. Um, the rabbis actually, in the rabbinic world, the rabbis invite us in by saying, Tashma, come and hear, come and listen, come receive the inherited legal tradition and, and the, the receive our inherited tradition. Um, and that's the world, that's the rabbinic world, the world of the yeshiva. Um, the mystical tradition, on the other hand, in the Zohar, it says, Tachaze, come and see. And that's a call that's inviting us into a sensory experience, into embodied experiential encounter. And I'll say that when I got my smicha, I heard the call of the tachaze, I packed my bag and I got out of, I got out of there. Um, and I took off. I, I began a traveling where I, I, I didn't even know what I was getting into at the beginning. I went from Mexico to the Philippines to Indonesia, eventually to India, and I was sleeping in bamboo huts and in mosques and on the beach and in ashrams and all over the place. Um, riding motorcycles, riding buses, riding boats, and really just went out to be in the world, to see the world, and to, in some ways, heal my, heal my, heal my relationship with God, heal, heal the soul calling that had sort of gone, got a little bit quiet in the, um, in the world of the yeshiva, in the world of Jerusalem, sort of maybe paradoxically enough. Let's talk about that. So <laughs> here you are in the, the place that is fermenting, and it is, it is the, the lab, it's, it's building a young rabbi, someone who is gonna go out to the world and love and minister and care. First of all, it's essentially still an entirely male-dominated world. And not only that, virtually all text is still male-originated. So you're constantly reinterpreting everything in your own, in your own female mind. And then you find yourself essentially burnt out of yeshiva and that life. And not unexpectedly, you know, many of us have had yeshiva conversations where we can't imagine the pressure we were under 
to succeed and to, but le reading, reaching to reaching a, an ordination and hitting that moment. And I'm sure there was a huge release of, of pressure. Exactly. You're still, <laughs> you're reliving it, right? You're feeling it. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have another. And obviously you go, like they say in Hebrew, you went to Hodu, you went to literally to India, right? So what happens to you? What happens in yeshiva that you need that release? And how did you find some connection that soothed you or maybe has never soothed you yet? That's a good question. Um, so I, I went to yeshiva actually, I, I studied Buddhism in my undergrad and I felt really deeply inspired by meditation and the sort of spirituality of Buddhism coming from a really wonderful Jewish world and um, Jewish home with a lot of culture and, and that sort of stuff. But I never felt the spiritual calling, the piece of Judaism that spoke to my everyday, um, what, it, what it really means to be a human being and how to grow as it, and develop as a human being. And so I studied Buddhism. I like to say Rav Buddha was a big inspiration for me. Um, and then in studying Buddhism, I sort of made my way back to, to Judaism, to Hasidut, to the the mystical and the spiritual aspects of Judaism that I never really grew up with. Um, and it was, so, it was so wonderful to encounter that. And what I really wanted to understand is how do I live that in my day to day? How does that become practice, sort of spiritual practice? Um, also for my like, soul, for my spiritual self, but also like how does it, what does it mean to be living in the world as a Jewish person? Um, and so I started studying Gemara and Halacha with these questions of practice, like what does it mean to embody our spirituality? Um, and it brought me to Yeshiva, um, to Beit Midrash Harel, to the world of, yeah, very sort of of and for and by men in many ways. Um, and it was a wonderful experience in teaching me the let's say the, the, the way of thinking like a sage, the way of understanding the mechanisms for change, where, what our practice is rooted in, all of that sort of stuff. Um, and then, and yet it was hard for me, it wasn't a holistic experience for me. It was hard for me to hold on to the, my spiritual self while I was there in some ways. It was very heady. It wasn't necessarily of the heart, of the body. Um, you know, when actually when I went to Mexico and I encountered land spirituality, it was so, it was so unbelievable for me because I always thought that, you know, that spirituality and religion and all of that sort of stuff is something of the mind and of, and of action and behavior, um, but not necessarily pulsing from the land, you know, the spirituality of the jungle. Um, or when I went to the ashram in India, I started to bring my body into the practice, you know, through yoga, through asanas. Asana has, ironically, I think, ironically, has the root of asana, which means posture in yoga, um, comes from the root to sit, like to the, the seat. And what's the root of yeshiva? The root of yeshiva is also to sit, lashevet. Um, and so there's, in some ways, our tradition is very postural, you know, I'm like sitting for years and I now go to a chiropractor and I now wear glasses and all the things of yeshiva bukhar, really. Um, but I, I went out to, to, to bring the rest of myself into that. So the yeshiva world for me was, was brilliant. It was heady. It was full of mind and thought and intellect. Um, but I didn't have my full self. I didn't have the experiential. I didn't have the sensory. I didn't have my mind, body, and soul in the way that um, feels the most 
full way that I can live as a person or live as a Jew or live as a leader. Um, and so, and so I went out, you know, it's sort of, it's almost fitting, like it was Rav Buddha that brought me into the world of the yeshiva in the first place. And um, finishing my time at yeshiva, I was sort of called back out into the world to experience um, experience the world and devotion, different devotional cultures, um, different cultures, the, just to witness the colors and the sense and the, the beauty of humanity across cultures and to start to bring back the different pieces of myself through inspiration from other traditions back into what it means for me to be living Jewishly. Um, and, and I, you know, to use the language of Hafiz, I felt like in my travels I was intoxicated on the universe, you know, I was drinking the cup of the beloved. Like I was so inspired, and um, and it's wonderful to come back now and feel that um, that pulse in my in my Jewishness, um, and and to be hopefully living, practicing, and sharing a, a path that is whole and inspiring. So yeshiva is the head, and clearly you have got the head to be a leader, you know the rules, you know the law, you know the meaning, you know the essence, you know the origin, but you're looking for experiences. And clearly after yeshiva, you go out and you search. And they all seem to follow a similar pattern, which is who am I as opposed to what am I? On this journey, you have many different experiences. I'm curious, tell me about what has made you what you are today and primarily framed within the post-yeshiva to today, but also included in it your previous experiences prior to ordination. So someone listening to you today would say, she's not just talking about the theory, she's actually living an experienced Jewish life. Yeah, great question. So um, if I back up a little bit after I graduated from, from McGill, where I was studying Eastern philosophy um, and international development. So I always had this sort of balance of the inner existential philosophical world and the outer world, what it means to be a person, what it means to be in a globalized world, what are the issues facing the world today and how are we part of the solution to that? Um, so that, that was sort of a, an early driver for me, the inner and the outer, balancing that. Um, and I would say when I made Aliyah and moved, eventually I moved to Jaffa, living five minutes from the sea. Um, and there's, there's also been this question of, of the head and the heart in many ways, which is um, moving from the academic world into the world of feeling, of living, of being. Um, and I got really interested in in meditation and mindfulness, in Jewish meditation, as well as art and expression. Um, so before, but while I was in yeshiva, I was, um, I'm, I'm an artist also. I do um, Hebrew calligraphy and ketubot, and I work with flowers a lot. I think the aesthetic is part of our experiencing the world, you know, experiencing beauty, touching beauty. And art is a very generative and creative act. Um, I founded a minion on the beach in Tel Aviv, which was an attempt to get us out of the yeshiva and even out of the Beit Knesset, out of the synagogue, uh, to be, you know, with the setting sun, um, to be with Tel, Tel Avivim, you know, the secular, the religious, whoever wanted to come, to be in song and in devotion and in prayer and in um, joy and community together. Um, and I, I ran a program called Achvat Amim Ruchani, 
which is a program that brings internationals to, um, to volunteer um, and build, to do Israeli-Palestinian peace and justice work um, and be learning about their Jewish identity today, sort of uh, uh, throughout that process. So their Judaism was sort of a lens to be acting in the world. And in many ways, I believe that, that our actions, I said this before, that we embody our spirituality and our actions. So pursuing peace and justice is you know, an act of sacred service. And, and so I, I guess my life before yeshiva was, was also this attempt to move from just the mind into the heart and into the hands in many ways. It's like, how are we being? What's our practice? Um, how are we showing up? The, the more we can integrate our whole selves and be present in the moment, the more we can live in fullness and in compassion and in service of ourselves, each other, and, um, and God. And so, you know, I guess that's the, that's the pre and sort of during yeshiva existence. So the running meditation retreats and, and being in song circles in Israel and all that beautiful stuff. And, and Religions for Peace is actually an organization that I've also become part of. That was literally the first thing I did. I didn't have smicha yet, but I passed my final test with Rev Sperber, which was a profound, awe, awe-inspiring and terrifying experience. Um, and the next day I actually flew to, to Germany to be in a conference with 800 clergy and religious leaders from all around the world um, committed to building peace, a multi-religious platform. And um, that was the first day I had a little name tag and it said on it, Rabbi Rachel Rosenbluth. And I came with my ukulele and I, you know, I was in the, the Middle East caucus, me with 50, many men, but not just, not just men from, um, from Iran, Iraq, Lebanon, Syria, um, and sort of introducing ourselves in our religious commitment to, to building peace. So, and, and yeshiva, you know, yeshiva was a part of all this to develop and deepen in my Jewish, um, in my Jewish mind and in my Jewish ways. Um, and then after yeshiva was, was a desire to continue this, like, what does it mean? What are the, what does it mean to be human? You know, there's, um, cross-culturally asking these questions of sort of human experience, human existence. Our spiritual lives are simply this, you know, it's the way we live. It's how we are showing up to the day-to-day -day in our relationships, in our, in our struggles. It's, it's not a lofty thing. It's literally like, how do we live in our day-to-day in our -day moments? And so, I don't know, being on the road was, was a journey into the heart and into the, the daily life. And I think it's been a goal of mine to try to combine those things, you know, the, the mind, the heart, the hands, um, the, the wisdom and the practice, the, the inner work and the outer work. So this brings us to Living Jewishly. We are thrilled that you'll be joining us, okay. Rabbi Rachel Rosenbluth or Bluth or Rachel or, or what is the name of your program that you'll be doing with us? So I'm so excited today to be launching, drum roll please, <laughs> um, The Art of Living Jewishly. And with me, Rabbi Bluth, and the goal of this program is to twice a month to be going through a journey together where we encounter ancient Jewish wisdom, particularly through the Jewish calendar, which I see as a path and guide and healing tool that we have. And we will look 
look to the ancients to bring that wisdom into the present moment to guide us to be to live our best lives to to be the best versions of ourselves to grow to in, to be introspective and to be inspired um, and to create the the world the community that we're that we imagine that we hope to build together so tachlis logistically what this means is um, every two months i'm going to be sharing content that involves art thought and embodied practice and we are going to use the Jewish calendar as a guide for this, this year together of growing, um, growing in our personal lives and what it means to be living Jewishly. And, and the, goal is, the goal is to experience, to, for Jewish wisdom to inspire us on a path of personal growth and collective transformation. We're doing this all in order to um, grow our inner selves and to transform and create you know, a reimagined world, especially during, you know, this time of pandemic and the sort of social spiritual revolution that's happening. Um, it's really an opportunity to be intentional, caring, loving in how we want to be building, building the future. We need rabbis like you, uh, not just because you're young or because, you know, well, a few generations ago they said because you're a woman. No, we need someone like you because you've taken the the kernel of knowledge and you're expanding it into what I believe is its natural form which is the experienced Judaism and through whatever lens you come at it with you clearly understand and you've said it many times you want to know what it means to be a human a person and Jewish tradition and wisdom has always been primarily that Living Jewishly does not really want to get into the political or the religious because we believe there's so much more to talk about. And I think that you, you have the voice. You have the ear of a new generation. You have the ear of probably an older generation who will find you just as compelling because many people have this question, which is, is that it? You mean like it's just a book or it's a, a ritual? How do I make it? How do I feel it? People often feel it when they need it. Like, around mm -hmm. death or life cycles, but they don't know how to feel it through the calendar. And this is fantastic that you'll be, you'll be embodying it within the life cycle that we all live, which we share, knowing when, when the moon is, is rising and when the sun is setting and all these important aspects of Jewish life. Right, and, I'll, and a friend of mine once said to me, he said, all ancient wisdoms have a healing art. If it's yoga, if it's shamanic practice, whatever it is, the healing art of Judaism is our sacred time. It's the calendar. If you look in the Sefer Yetzirah and our mystical texts, each month, is, each month gives us themes. Each holiday has themes. Jewish time is like a slinky. And we're constantly returning to the same place each year, to Rosh Hashanah, to Purim, to Pesach. And each year we go back to the same time, but not just to remember what happened then, but to actually relive it, to, to attune with the spiritual work of the time and to allow it to guide us in our inner work, in our introspection, in our inspiration, um, and bring us through a, both a personal and a collective journey through the year. And it's like a slinky in that we always return to the same place, but each year we're ascending higher and higher and we're growing and developing um, along with it. And so we're going to be drawing from the inspiration of the, the wisdom of the Jewish calendar, bringing it into the present moment, who we are today, what it means for our lives now, how can this help us live a more meaningful life? 
Um, and through that, we're going to create the world. We're going to create the lives that we want. We're going to create the future, the future that we want together. Um, and you know, stay tuned for, for Rosh Hashanah coming up. But just as an example, Rosh Hashanah, it's the birthday of humanity. It's a time of renewal. Um, it's also my personal birthday. <laughs> um, and it's a time when we are doing tshuva. We're really turning inward. We're assessing who it is that we are at our deepest core. And we're planning for the new year. We're creating a vision of what, what, is, the, what, is, the, what is the year that we're looking for. You know, it's a chance to start fresh. And then we come to Yom Kippur. And now that we've set a vision for what's, what's up ahead, we can actually cleanse and release all the things that are holding us back. And that's Yom Kippur is sort of the mikvah of the heart, the cleansing waters of the heart. And so we'll look at each holiday and each month and understand what is it, what is the theme? What's it giving us to work with? Um, and, and through art and exploration and conversation and Jewish voices and voices sort of curated from all over the world, we'll go through a journey together. And that is the art of living Jewishly. Good. That's really good. So um, we're going to end with a quote. And uh, one of your favorites, I imagine, is Chesed ve'emet nifkashu, tzedek v'shalom nashku. What did I just say? Love and truth will meet and justice and peace will kiss. So we're bringing together the, the abundance of love and the, the work of truth and the honesty of truth. And we're bringing the the goal of peace through, through justice um, to, yeah, to really embody what it is to be a person in the world today. So Rachel, we are thrilled that you will be setting up your pulpit at the intersection of living and Jewishly. And we're delighted to have you. Thank you. L'chaim, l'chaim. L'chaim. Thanks for listening to the Living Jewishly podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe. It helps more people like you find our show so that we can continue to grow the Living Jewishly community together. You can find us at livingjewishly.org and on YouTube and Instagram. Living Jewishly is living well with everyone.